If you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, as we take a pause from the book of Ephesians for a special Sunday. So Romans chapter 8. It was about 10 years ago uh, on a weekday night when my wife Gloria and I received a phone call. And the lady on the other end of the phone said, we think we might have a child that would be a match for you and your family. Would you like to look at her file? Yeah, of course. Of course, there was a little bit more to that conversation, but not too much later, uh, we had an email and Gloria and I found ourselves sitting on our bed looking at a photo of a chubby-cheeked 18-month-old little Chinese girl named Schumann. This was not the beginning of our adoption I hadn't even started. Of our adoption journey, it actually started about a year before that. Uh, But this meant that we were getting a lot closer to having a third child enter to our home and into our family. After hours of praying, both together and separate restlessness uh, and anticipation, Gloria and I decided to move forward with adopting this little girl. And about six months later, we boarded a plane, and then another plane, and then another plane, uh, and we traveled around the world, uh, arriving at our hotel uh, in, in China around mid-morning. If you've ever done international travel, about 30 hours of travel uh, doesn't give you much rest in there. So we, we arrived around mid-morning, and uh, they, they asked us to meet just a few hours later in the hotel conference room, and that is where this happened. That was the first time Lottie sat with me, and I'm pretty positive it was because of that little silver package I had. Uh, It was food, and uh, that's probably the only time Lottie sits with me now. Uh, uh, And so this is the first picture that Lottie and I ever had together. We certainly have more of those now. Uh, And today, uh, on Orphan Sunday, we will celebrate the adoption stories in my house uh, and many of your families as well. But do not think that today is just about bringing children into your home. Certainly it will be about that. But today, as we will see in Scripture, it is an opportunity for us to see the glories of salvation through the lens of adoption. Uh, Internationally, Orphan Sunday is next week. We're cheating and doing it on our own way because of Hearts of Compassion yesterday. We wanted to make this kind of a whole weekend. And so, uh, so excited to be looking to this text together. And so why don't we do just that? Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God, and I am abundantly thankful for it. So as we consider the doctrine and practice of adoption, I want us to consider this text, see how it reminds us of what practically happens as we seek to follow the command and expectation in Scripture to care for orphans. This is in James, true and right religion is one that cares for orphans and widows. Caring for uh, those who cannot care for themselves has been both an Old Testament and a New Testament concept. It is truly at the heart of God. But I also want us to see how our adoption into the family of God parallels this in, in a peculiar, beautiful manner. So we'll begin with the truth that adoption gives us a new identity. Adoption gives us a new identity. We want to see this first kind of in a, in a practical sense, right? As I mentioned, we have uh, or at least one child that you heard of, right? But uh, if you didn't know, we have ad adopted two children. And there was uh, an exchange that happened for them. Uh, so there is an exchange of name, I mentioned in the, the starting story that the lady on the other end of the phone said that there was a, a little girl, uh, 18 months old, and her name was Schumann. Schumann, uh, we, we changed her name to Charlotte Song Hunsberger. Interestingly enough, uh, I, I'm the one of the two between Gloria and I that really thinks through, likes to think through, like the meaning of names. I like to look up what they mean or, or kind of a history about them, uh, people that we're naming them after. And you may not know this, but there's a, uh, 
pretty prominent missionary to China named Lottie Moon, and uh, her, her full name is Charlotte Diggs Moon, and so Lottie was short for Charlotte, and so we, we certainly both liked that idea, but the more and more we dug, we learned that, that Charlotte, which is like the female version of Charles, means strong, and, and then because it uses this uh, lot there at the end, it also means petite. And if you know my tiny person, right, uh, then you know this is her. At, at, while small, she packs a punch, right? And so Lottie, as we call her, and then Song, her middle name, is actually a Chinese word for praise. So she went from Shumen, which was a name given to her uh, when she was uh, found in a park. Uh, she was then... Uh, given to an orphanage, and in that orphanage, they, the government gave her a name so that they would have something to call her until she was adopted. And so Schumann uh, became Charlotte Song Hunsberger, and we know her best as Lottie. Then there was an, another little boy uh, named Barath, so B-A-R-A-T-H, and Barath became Ezekiel Robert Hunsberger just about six months ago. Uh, Ezekiel in the Bible means strength of God. And Ezekiel's story in Scripture, while it starts out pretty grim, uh, there's some pretty exciting stuff later in the book. And so I was thinking to myself that uh, uh, his, our son's story started out pretty grim. But we hope and pray that there will be much more good on this side of it. Robert is... Gloria's dad and granddad's name. What you, you may know my father-in-law, Bob, uh, but her granddaddy was also Robert, and uh, he, he was born deaf. And granddaddy, Robert, never knew his name until he went to school. Nobody in his family knew sign language or knew how to, uh, to teach him his name. And so it wasn't until he was five or six years old that he learned his name. And we felt like that would be very accurate for our Zeke, that he didn't know his name. But he does now. He was, he was writing Z-E-K-E. -E. Very proud of his new writing skills. So we have Ezekiel Robert. Our journey to Zeke took us much longer than our journey to Lottie. Uh, we began as foster parents, had children in our home for several years. And then for a variety of reasons, we, we switched back to do another international adoption. And once in that process, it took us close to four years to get Zeke home. Uh, we went for our first visit to see him this time last year and to stand before a judge and to, to meet him. And so that is where this happened. I believe we have another. Yep, this one. Welcome to India, Chad Daddy. Right, he, he was, we were so delighted to get to hold him and hug him and know him. And uh, it wasn't until our next visit a few months later uh, that that his name officially changed. But realize that while Lottie and Zeke, their names changed when we adopted them. They're no longer Schumann and Barath. 
uh, there is an exchange for us that takes place in salvation that's different than just a name. You see, we have an exchange of titles. So, so listen again to these verses in Romans 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, then Abba, Father. You see, what, what was happening, this exchange, is that we were slaves of fear. Now, we get the spirit of adoption. You know, Lottie and Zeke, they don't go by their previous names. In fact, most, if not all of you, didn't even know their previous names, right? You're not going to call them Schumann and Barath, and don't do that. They'll be like, what are you talking about? And, uh, yeah, they, they carry a new name. They are a new, new in that sense completely. And we, as believers, we ought not fall back into our old ways. We do not fall back into fear. I wonder, I wonder what is it that you are afraid of? What is it that it makes you scared? Is it that something or someone would be taken from you? Is it that you won't be liked? Is it that you won't be popular? Is it that you won't be able to provide for your family the, the things that you want as, you, as we approach Christmas and you want to be able to give, even in a good way, you want to be able to give things. And what if you're not able to do that? What if you don't have enough money this Christmas to give the gifts you want to give? What if, what if it's because you, you're afraid you won't be seen in a certain way, that people won't think of you in a certain light? What if it, you, you're not going to be able to retire at a certain age, the, the plan that you had? Do not fall trapped into thinking the ways of the world. Don't, don't fear what the world fears. Do not fall back into the deeds of the body. Right? I think about what are the deeds of the body, like a, a lying tongue, hurtful words, a lustful heart, gluttony, pride, gossip, slander, covetousness, wanting what's not yours. Adultery, anger, do not fall into living according to the flesh. These are the ways that lead to death. But we, church, Christian, brother, sister, we have been adopted. Our debt, according to this, has been paid. You've been given a new identity and a new title. But know that it's not earned. It's just given. I mentioned my father-in-law a little while ago uh, that his name is Robert. His name is Robert Eugene Gladney Jr., right? His dad, Robert Eugene Gladney. So when he, he was born, he gave him that name. And at the end of it, he put a J-R, right? 
Now, he didn't earn JR, right? I think about other, other things that are earned in our name, new titles. I think about Jerry Welch, not too long ago, earned a DR, right? At the front of his name. Got a, I guess at the end of his name, he got a PhD. Well done, right? So that's something different. He did earn that, right? Worked at it, studied, took tests, and stood before people. Somebody thought, hey, this is a good idea. Many of you are, are doing those kind, same kind of things. I see all these college students. You're, you're trying to get some sort of degree. I talked to some of you a little while ago, right? You hope to graduate in May and, and get a bachelor of something, associates of something, finish the diploma, get the degree. But, but there's a difference between something that is earned, you, you worked for it, and something that's just graciously, lovingly given to you. I can promise you, Robert Eugene Gladney Jr., he didn't do anything other than just like receive it, right? To get that name, to get that title. And in salvation, it is not earned like a PhD or a bachelor's or a high school diploma or your paycheck. It's not earned. It's just given. It's just handed to you. And all you do is receive it. Is accept this new title. Accept this new name. So when Schumann became Lottie, all she did was receive it. When Baruth became Zeke, all he did was receive it. Just take it. Adoption gives us a new identity. And adoption gives us a new family. That may seem like the most uh, obvious thing that happens practically within adoption. But you may not think of it this way, but you need to know that as much as I love adoption, adoption always begins with brokenness. One family is broken, right? Something happened. A child could have been given up for adoption. A child could have been taken. Parents could have died. I mean, there, there are a variety of reasons for someone to be an orphan, but none of them are pleasant reasons. So there's brokenness every time at the beginning. But when adoption is complete, it does provide the glorious gift of family. Think of it this way, that in many cases, they get real brothers and sisters. If you're in the adoption world for very long, or if you, you are a part of, of that, it, it's interesting the, the types of questions that come to you. Uh, regardless of the race of your child, if, the, if they are a different race than yours or they are uh, the same race, they look like your biological children or they look like you, right? Questions that come are like, do you have any kids of your own? Yes, I have four kids of my own. 
Two of them happen to be biological. Two of them happen to be adopted, but they're all mine, right? That's a question. Are, th- are they all yours? Especially if you've got uh, a quiver full, as they say, right? All those with you, right? Do they, do they have, and this is a question, uh, do they have any real brothers and sisters? Most of these questions, please hear me, are innocent. And it's, it's challenging for people. I, I try to give grace as much as possible to try to figure out how to get at what I'm asking without it being uh, offensive. Just so you know, all my kids are my kids. Yes, biological, adopted, they're all mine. They're all Hunsbergers. And if you've met them, you know. And for the most part, they're my fault. (laughs) They're all real brothers and sisters. Even though Luke and Lottie were born six weeks apart, born in two different countries by two different sets of parents, they are both completely brother and sister. And despite the fact that they don't look anything alike, it's like having twins, I promise so this is the picture of my family. That's a, that's a good-looking group. I'm just saying. Right? Now, we don't, we don't look alike, but this is real family, right? We, we, we don't think, oh, like, this is like, I've got, I've got real family, and I added a couple. No, of course not. You, you wouldn't assume that. You shouldn't. If you do, let's get some correction. Don't assume that. This is all real family. So just just for a few minutes, I want you to help with me. Consider some practical matters regarding adoption of children into the family and how that uniquely connects to the gospel, especially as we've been studying in the book of Ephesians recently. I was thinking about this in regards to Ephesians chapter 1. Right? Somebody must begin, like have a desire to adopt. In Ephesians 1, it says, even as he... God, speaking of, of his children, he chose us in him. Like this, this idea is that he decided he wanted to adopt us. That this, this began with him. But, but whoever the parent is must have a plan bef- for adoption. That's why in, in verse 5 it says he predestined us. So this was for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Like this was something he planned to do for us in salvation. And so practically, if you didn't know, like Glory and I didn't just randomly show up in China and get a kid. Right? We, we planned and purposed to adopt. And and you must have the right requirements for adoption before you're allowed to. I mean, practically, there is a lot to do. There's papers to file and classes to attend and books to read and papers to file and fingerprints to give and doctor's approval and psychiatric exams and papers to file and home studies to give and papers to file and questions to answer and papers to file. I promise there's that many papers. But I, I think... About, I think about how is it that then the requirements were met in salvation? But in, in Ephesians 1, 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the, the beloved, guess, guess the requirement is his grace. And, and by the way, it can be a long journey, so you better have some resolve. You better be like resolved to adopt, to finish the process. Zeke's timeline was 
four years long, when we decided, hey, we want to add a fourth child, uh, that would have been six or seven years before Zeke got home. Long time, long wait, hard wait. Some of you even here today are in that kind of long wait. But think about this. Think about the the glories of the gospel as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. He, he was willing to wait. It is expensive practicality of adoption. This is why we have something like Hearts of Compassion to come alongside and help fund adoptions. It can cost anywhere, well, uh, depending on which way you go, but it can be thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in in cost. It's a it's a different cost though for salvation, isn't it? Because in Him, Ephesians one tells us, in Him we have redemption. We've been purchased by His blood. And and you. You really must have love to offer or this, this just won't last. You can't just kind of like the idea, think it's kind of neat. It'd be cool to have a, a kid that doesn't look like you and your family. No, that's why it tells us that in love, he predestined us. God did this because he loves us. John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world. This wasn't, like it is, it is love that compelled him to move toward us. And it should certainly be love that compels us to look to the orphan and say, we want to care for you. Maybe you're asking, okay, what's the next step? Uh, maybe you are newly married. Maybe you are uh, a young married. Maybe you've already had some kids. Maybe you're an empty nest. You're thinking, hey, let's go for round two. This is a great idea, by the way. Uh, I, want, I want you to consider, is God asking us to consider adopting? We know that the expectation is that we care for orphans. So that's already like, yes, if you're a believer, you should care for orphans. So it's possible that the manner in which you're to care for orphans is through adoption. So even, I want to let you know, a week from today, one week from today in the afternoon around uh, 4 o'clock, uh, I want you to join some of our adoptive parents who to hear some of their stories and to hear some of their specifics regarding foster care and adoption uh, to answer some of those questions you might have. So just right before the uh, evening gathering, so 4 o'clock uh, upstairs, we will have a time for you to to have some time together. So maybe it is your, this does not mean I'm signing up to adopt, I'm signing up for foster care. This means I'm open to learning more about that so we can even be like appropriately educated on the topic, okay? So we would encourage you to be back here again next Sunday at four o'clock. But there's real brothers and sisters, but you also realize there's blood brothers and sisters. Now, don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand what I'm saying or don't hear what I'm not saying. You see, all four of our children are not blood-related in the sense that they have different biological moms and dads. But they've been blood-bought. See, we, we 
our blood, brothers and sisters. But it's not the blood that runs through our veins that links us. It's the blood that was spilled on the cross that links us together. And that's why we should should always look and sound and act more like each other. We should have more in common with each other than we have in common with someone who is in the same political party as us. We should have more in common with each other than we do with someone who has the same race as us. We should have more in common with each other than someone that speaks the same language as us. Why? Because we're blood bought by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. You want to talk about real family? You want to talk about real, like the the real deal? This is it. Like this is the family of God. This is where our adoption really counts. This is where it's all about, like like, uh, I hear people talk about all the time, like, oh, family's where it's at. Well, this is my family. Now, certainly I have an affinity to those people who happen to live in my house. But I, I ought to, and I can confidently say that I do, love you. Like we should have something different about the way we love one another. That's real family. I believe that the church is a connected group of blood-related, adopted children who have been chosen by the Father. Maybe you want to know a little bit more about this church family, how to be a part of this family. Well, then you can come today to a meeting. You don't even have to wait till next week. Isn't that nice? At 3.30 today, upstairs, right off the elevator, we'll be having our Membership Matters class, and we would love to talk to you more about what it looks like to belong to Colonial Heights, to be a part of this blood-bought, blood-soaked. I know that's kind of weird, but in the best of ways, by, by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are connected See, the the Spirit himself, Romans 8, 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As we kind of get to the the next portion, I want us to hear this. Maybe even the, the best part of all the adoption pieces is that adoption gives us a new inheritance. I mean, practically, right, my adopted children get the same inheritance that my biological children get. Not much. But they get it. Oh, good for them. Split it four ways. But, but as we look at this text, think about the trade that's happening. In regards to the gospel, we are trading a life of ceaseless striving for a life of glorious suffering. We're no longer in debt to the flesh, right? Verse 12, and brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh. Like, so we were debtors to the flesh. That means we don't any longer have to keep trying to appease our endless appetite for more. More money, 
more gadgets and gizmos, more plaudits and popularity, more fame and fortune, more applause and recognition, more sensual and sexual desires. We do not have to feed on these things any longer, for we have traded this never-ending, never-satisfying slavery to fear for an eternal life of glorious, sanctifying suffering. We are children of God, heirs with Christ. Look again at these verses, verse 17 and 18. And if children, then heirs. That means received an inheritance, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And when you get to passages like that, I think you should rightly say, time out. Right? I'm guessing that some of you are looking at this, and this trade doesn't sound very appealing. Right? Hey, I'm good with not having to, to strive so much, like the, the, the rat race, I'm, I'm good with that. But I'm trading for suffering? And Chad, you call it glorious suffering? Is your brain waterlogged after the rainy race yesterday? Listen, listen carefully. The gift of temporary suffering allows for us to experience just a pinch of what Jesus experienced on earth so that we can experience eternal glory with him. See, Paul goes on to say, right, that these temporal short sufferings are nothing compared to the weight of glory. Here's what he's saying in, in, in short, right? Life is short. Eternity is not. You can have temporary suffering and eternal joy or you can have temporary, slave to fear, and slave to flesh, and eternal suffering. So here again, your options are a little bit of hardship for a lot bit of joy. Or a little bit of slavery to fear, slavery to flesh, ceaseless striving after unattainable, insatiable stuff, and a lot of hardship. This seems so obvious to me. Like I realize I've read the book before and I get where the end is going, but, but maybe, maybe if you just hear it those ways, like doesn't that seem like an obvious trade? I may not be the sharpest tool in the proverbial shed, but a little bad and a lot good versus no good and all bad seems to be an obvious trade. Please. Please, today, accept this trade offer. This is what's being set before you today. Because ultimately, we trade eternal condemnation for eternal glorification. Listen, listen again, beginning in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the, the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. The buying back of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. You see, in, in conclusion, my my plea is that you would accept this trade. For those of you who have never been adopted into the family of God, that today you would accept the trade. You would accept a new name. You would, you would take the new identity. Scripture tells us that the way in which we do that, the way we receive that gift, the way we take it is by repenting and believing. Repent, to, to turn away from. Turn away from all of that stuff, all of our self, all of the, the spinning of the wheel, the, the, the trying on our own abilities, the, the, the more, the more, the more, all of that stuff, the, the uh, sin and selfishness in us, we turn away from all of that. And in believing, we trust that Jesus is better. We trust that Jesus is Lord. And, and by Lord, we mean that we surrender to your ways and your commandments. And we'll accept the suffering. We'll accept heartache here on earth. We'll accept hardship here on earth. Why? Why? Because we know what's coming. We'll go through a little heartache and a little hardship here because we know what's coming. And what's coming is certainly better. It's an eternity with God the Father, praising Him, working to bring Him honor, feasting to bring Him glory, singing, shouting, clapping. Why? Because, because His Son, Jesus, took our punishment, took our, like paid our debt. So we say, we believe in you, Jesus. We believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that God raised him from the dead, that he conquered death, that he took condemnation for us so that we could live forever. So if you have never done that right where you are, right where you sit. Call on Christ. Maybe you have questions about that, that I have, maybe I've made something unclear. Here to my left in this door, there would be some that would love to, to talk with you, love to open up God's word with you, like to pray with you, answer questions for you. Right where you are, you can call on the Lord and you can turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus. If you need more help, come, come right here. You want someone to pray with you. Maybe you heard our story of adoption, the, of 
Lottie and Zeke, and you think, maybe that's for me. Maybe that's for my family. Maybe that's something we should be doing. Then again, give that to the Lord. I do encourage you to, to come next week to that meeting, but there are others of us that would love to talk to you more about that. I'm certainly one of those, my wife. and Somebody that's wearing one of these shirts today can at least point you to somebody. Even if they're not the ones, right? They can point you to somebody who's walked that journey. And you won't be alone in that. Maybe it is in your life that as you evaluate, you heard those things, maybe you realize you've been uh, returning to uh, some, of those, some of those fears, some of those tendencies that, were, that you had already traded in, but you find yourself kind of turning back to them for some reason. The, the sinful nature in yourself just kind of keeps wanting that stuff. And so maybe today, maybe today you just say to the Lord, here I am again. I'm sorry, I confess my sins before you. I need you to help me. And in that, God, magnify yourself in me. Let others see you in me. May you be praised and pleased by my life of submission to you. We sing this words of this song, Christ be magnified. Be exalted in me. As we respond now, would you give God the glory he deserves in your response? Stand with me as we sing.